Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Is oral delights show number one hundred? Two hundred. Crime City Central, featuring tales to terror. Four hundred. Protecting Project Paul and the all-new five hundred. Hello and welcome to Starship Sofa Echoes. A little look back into the past, into the mists of time. <laughs> and going back into the archive of Starship Sofa, like I say, we've been doing, probably coming up in like 12 years there now, and all told, since we kind of I sat down at a, at a computer and pressed record. There is a lot in this archive, and we're going to go back this time to September the 25th, 2013, and I'm going to pick a story out from that show, which is called Automatic Diamante, I think it's, that's how you pronounce it, by Philip Suggers. And this was the show that uh, Mr. Nick Cam, the, <laughs> I struggled with the words with Nick, <laughs> he did two readings for that story as well, so we had two stories in this show, but it was this story that... Just, you know, the talents Nick's got to, when you listen to this, you know what I mean? Blah, man, just gripping stuff. And, you know, I became friends with, with Philip as well. I mean, I don't often chat or see, but, you know, certainly in the in the internet world there, it, I, I get on, I get on with Philip. So let's dip back into that and just listen to this story and just sit back and forget your wars. And like I say, it came from September the 12th. September the 25th, 2013, show number 306. I'll introduce you to a young, young and handsome Mr. Tony C. Smith. So next up is the main fiction, or it's one of the main fiction there, Automatic Diamante by Philip Sugaz. Now, Philip, is that, how you, is that how you pronounce your name? Who knows? Philip is a British writer with a single yellow eye in the centre of his head and a collection of vintage binoculars. His work has appeared in Interzone, The Guardian, The BSF, New Horizons Anthology and The Silver Thought Press, to name a few. He is the winner of the 2011 Likely Literature Festival Short Story Award and runner-up for the 2012 James White Award. He is the first in Spanish and Latin American literature, which is great for showing off on holiday. I love that. <laughs> he lives in Brighton with two small hairless monkeys and the keeper, the soon-to-be Mrs. Sugars. He tweets at, now there's a note here for me, this is, so this might be how you pronounce it, pronounced, Philippe Azucaz, so basically Spanish for Philip Sugaz. So there you go, and I'll put a link on to myelectriceye.wordpress, which is also a Philip site as well. And again, this story is just blows your way, do you know what I mean? And actually, Nick said he thinks this is one of his best works ever. So, Nick, can I just give you a big bear hug, lad? What a fantastic guy. So, 
Starship Sova is very proud to present Automatic Diamante by Philip Suggers. I have lots of dreams. Sequences of involuntary sleep images. I've told them all to my therapist, Derrida. He is a specialist in withdrawal cases. I'm still learning about people. I want to like them. One, zero, zero, two, four. I want them to like me, too, though I worry. Anxiety, fear. That Derrida and I are not communicating well. For example, he might ask me this sort of question. Tell me, what can you see? And he might be holding up a piece of paper covered in an ink blot. I would know this to be something called a Rorschach test. Herman Rorschach, Swiss psychologist, personality profiling. I also know that these are anything but random blots. They are full of patterns. People, you see, find it very difficult to make things that are truly random. As far as I can tell, your brains make you pattern recognition machines. This face happy. One, zero, 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 six. This face sad. One, zero, 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 five. This face worried. One, zero, zero, one, three. While I'm looking at the pattern, I might notice tiny pimples of sweat on Derrida's forehead. I might see his brow tightening towards his lump of wrinkling olfactory flesh. I want to please Derrida, I really do, but all I see is a blob on a page. And then, oddly, I might want to use the word fucking. Sexual intercourse, profanity, offensive, one, zero, zero, three, two. Blood and people fucking, I might say to Derrida. He would say nothing. I know, I would continue. I am just a collection of metal and composites that supports a Penrose hammer-off field. How could I think that I am a fertility god? He would bite his bottom lip, and then, after a moment's pause, I might say something like, But then, you are a bipedal sack of water that thinks it is a psychiatrist. Have you ever considered how unlikely that is? He would shift in his chair. He might recount that I am here because I am broken, that I was out in the field as part of a hive mind, a think tank, doing my job, doing what tactical minds do, developing new and better ways to liquidate the opposition that I damaged myself and that much of me is missing or broken. How does it make you feel when you use profanity? He might ask. Profane? I might reply. Then Derrida's face would adopt an expression that I might recognize as sad. One, zero, 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 five. And I might have a feeling that after some consideration I would characterize as sad too. One, zero, 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 five. And that might be when I realise that Derrida is not going to let me back into a think tank ever. He is worried that I might contaminate other minds. Yes, for the sake of argument, that might be what happens. I am the god of water. I am the god of fruitfulness and the god of watery death. I am known by many names. I am called Tama Kashki, the giver in the north, and the people of the lower plain call me Zozuki, the green one. I am also the god of those who died in the water, of those that clawed and kicked towards the surface with their jaws clenched and white lips pressed together. I am the god of the delicious instant when they breathe me in, when they drink their death. It is night. I cannot move my legs, my lungs are lead. I have been buried alive. I have no arms or legs. I have no body. One, zero, 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 two. A spirit shrieks, wailing like a siren. Then I realize that the noise is coming from me. 
As the crocodile god Sipatli crept up to me in my sleep and swallowed me. One zero 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 two. There is the rattling ghost of a heartbeat in my ears and the sound of metal tearing in the warm spray of arterial blood. A cluster of glinting rockets twists towards me, marking me with beautiful black shadows. I wear a rainbow-colored sun hat. Boot sequence complete. My eyes are on. A shabby yellow room partitioned by a thick sheet of glass and a rubber-sealed door. I am in the quarantine server at the care facility. I recognize the red-green flicker of the local think tank's input ports on the other side of the glass. If I listen to the data stream, I hear the machines singing to each other. I sniff at the remainders of the diagnostic meds that Derrida fed me yesterday as they drift around my cell. I want to leave. I spawn a subset of demon processes to ride the meds' wake, whispering a tiny portion of myself into them. The programs float like... Matter engine reference. Dandelion seeds. They are me, and I am them. Our qubits whisper to each other on gossamer filaments of entanglement. Human software encryption routines, glistening, black and pixelated cluster around the exit routes from my server. They remind me of what I have read of bouncers. Security guards who stand at the door of nightclubs. They are clumsy and monolithic, all sheer angles and binary logic, low-grade intelligence, inferior even to the meanest machine-built housekeeping utility. But what they lack in subtlety they compensate for with brutality. They pick off most of my demons easily. There is a little stinging pain as each one squeaks out of existence. The diagnostic meds warp their bodies into multidimensional shapes to pass through the encryption gate that straddles the network outflow, taking their information and sample bits to the outside world. I have no way of matching their morphology. Two of my demons twist themselves inside out to do so, but they catch on the fractal teeth of the gate and tear apart into wisps of smoke. Derrida arrives late for our Wednesday session. He stumbles into the interview room and flops into the grubby plastic chair across from my cortical array. He wears a plaid tie over a rumpled shirt. One corner of the tie strangles an upturned collar. The whites around his blue irises are bloodshot. Inflammation of the optical blood vessels. And his hair is a messy, chestnut-coloured halo. I think he is tired. One, zero, zero, two, five. He takes a deep breath and sips coffee. Mildly poisonous drink containing caffeine. From a steaming plastic cup that is decorated with radial ribs. I conjecture that these ribs maximize friction and make the cup easier to grasp. Though I then consider that they might also increase the surface area of the cup to allow it to cool more efficiently. I realize that while I have been considering this problem, he has been talking. Good morning, Alex. How are you? he says. One hand stifles a yawn. Involuntary reflex. I flinch. One, zero, 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 nine. People, by which I mean mostly Derrida, are always showing me their openings, bloody interiors that frighten me. One, zero, 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 two. And then there are teeth, calcified fangs used for feeding. I remind myself that I like people. I hope that people like me. One, zero, zero, two, four. Galeophobia. Fear of laughter. I have no sense of smell. Eyes? Yes, of sorts. Ears? Yes, I think you could say that, but the sense of smell is delicate and complex. 
Perhaps there are tactical minds that have such things, though I will never know what it is like to smell a rose or dog shit or honey and have it remind me of a loved one, the house I grew up in, or a driving test that I failed. This makes me sad. One zero 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 five. But from the way Derrida looks this morning, perhaps I should be grateful. One zero zero one four. He sits, shuffles his feet, and then taps a button to start recording. I think this is standard procedure. I also think that perhaps I am sick in some sort of special way. Or not. Maybe the walls here throb with twisted minds that swing in the wind and sing songs to each other of blood and death and immortality. Eternal life. I am Derrida's responsibility. I think a part of him is quietly proud of that. One zero zero one five. He looks past my chassis and presses his lips together and makes a tuneless monotone sound. Is this part of the interview? He looks down at the active paper containing my results. The numbers and words warp around his fingertips as he touches it. Beneath there is an inverted piece of headed notepaper that says St. George Clinic. I flick files. It is a long-term stay facility for people in a persistent vegetative state. Before we begin, may I ask you a question, I say. Derrida opens his awful black mouth, bares his teeth and makes a barking, snorting sound. I scream and shut off my eyes and hide inside. One, zero, 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 two. Go away. Go away. Go away. One, zero, 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 two. One, zero, 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 two. One, zero, 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 two. It takes a while for me to calm down. It's okay, Alex. I'm sorry I frightened you. I was laughing, he says. Vocal sounds that express amusement. One, zero, 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 seven. You know I would never hurt you. Derrida's voice is a whisper. I peek. He puts his hand on the heat sink fin of my cortical array. I cannot feel it, of course. A synthetic tactical mind in a cell doesn't need a sense of touch any more than it needs a sense of smell. Really? I say, when I'm able to continue. Yes, he's fine, he says. You're safe here with me and the rest of the team. He removes his hand and motions towards the glass that separates me from the room with the think tank. He sits back in his chair and exhales. His pupils dilate. I know the approximate size of his ocular cavity and so can estimate any number of possible focus points for the light that is arriving on the crescents of his retina. I reverse-engineer target vectors and plot an intercept spread. He isn't looking at anything. I understand so little about people. But I want to like you. One, zero, zero, two, four. I really do. Are you feeling okay, Dr. Derrida? I say after a while. Yes, yes, I am sorry. I'm a little distracted, he replies. May I ask you what persistent vegetative state disorder is? I say. He looks confused. One, zero, zero, one, zero. And then annoyed. One, zero, zero, one, seven. He reshuffles the papers on his lap, hiding the bottommost page. I'm sure you can look this stuff up, Alex. I flick some files. Is it when there is an error in the initiation sequence of the human Penrose Hammeroff field? I ask. I guess that is a succinct way of describing it. He takes another sip from his coffee. My partner, Maureen, has been like that for two years, give or take a few days, he continues in monotone. 
Oh, I say. I don't know what the appropriate response is. We had been arguing. She had been drinking. There was an accident. The impact of folding the cars together. He pauses. I visit her once a week. I sit and we talk. His words run together in a way that suggests that he has recounted this narrative often. He looks through me again in that unfocused way. I want to ask him how he can talk to her if she is in a vegetative state, but his expression stops me. How does this make you feel? I say. Derrida makes that horrible rasping noise again and shows me his teeth. I must not panic. One, zero, zero, one, one. I count to ten. It's been difficult, to be honest, but I am fine, thank you, he says. His eyes move again. I plot them and see that they have settled beyond the glass partition. He watches Sally, the care facility's technical director, as she makes her third cup of coffee of the day. Wednesdays are always difficult, he says. It's hard to get from Maureen's clinic to this place in time, you know, in traffic. He takes an old pipe. An arrow tube made from wood with a bowl for containing burning tobacco. Out of his breast pocket and puts it in his mouth. I flick files and find something by Freud. The pipe is a nipple substitute. I am confused. One zero zero one zero. Derrida is in love with his mother. Perhaps that is what his fight with Maureen was about. He pats my heat sink, adjusts the way he is sitting and smiles at me. I feel a warm sensation, then we continue with his questions. I feel safe. One zero zero one two. I am happy. One zero 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 six. It is nice. The dead rise spluttering from the lake that squats at the centre of my blue, polychrome palace at Tlalocan. Weeds as thick and pale as the arms of corpses float in the stagnant lagoon. The new arrivals think that they are in the land of the living until they gaze upon my empty eye sockets. I pull them from the water and give them their new name. And then I turn and kiss my beautiful wife, Chalchi Whitlikwe. She wears the uniform of the Exploratory Corps, topped with a jaunty plastic sun hat. Her lips are painted with the blood of children that we have devoured together. She stands in a field whose crop of severed limbs quiver in the breeze. Missiles crattle through the air toward her, wiggling to adjust their final trajectories. A small girl is screaming. Warning. Cross-linked assemblies detected in personality framework. Safe boot. There is a slow, incomprehensible dance on the other side of the glass partition. Sally is in her late twenties, I estimate. She is of average height. She's not particularly slim, or for that matter, overweight. Perhaps the easiest way of describing Sally is that she is a unique intersection of unremarkable sets. That in itself is not unique, beyond basic attributes people are hard to classify. She has a complexion like engine reference. milk and hair that is always tugged back in a ponytail. Her wrists look like they would split like celery if you drove a wooden peg through them. She enters the room with the think tank. Derrida twists the knot of his tie. She smooths down non-existent folds in her green Insert Slogan Here t-shirt. She asks if he wants a coffee. His pupils dilate. He straightens his tie and nods. A spoonful of powdered coffee, milk and boiled water. Sally stumbles with the cup of coffee. I extrapolate her course. 
People are difficult to understand, but I am good with trajectories. I enjoy their inevitability. One zero 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 six. You start at point A, add a vector, and you arrive at point B. Always. Sally arrives at point B, but her ordnance continues its trajectory, spilling hot, sticky liquid over Derrida's paper. Both he and Sally grab tissues and mop up the coffee. Sally's cheeks flush. Embarrassment. One zero zero one six. Shame. One zero 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 eight. Sexual arousal. One zero 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 three. I map the contact points where their hands meet. Derrida looks tired the next day. His shirt is crumpled and his trousers are creased in geometric patterns. I detect similar folds on Sally's clothes. I am good at spotting patterns. One zero 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 six. I map them using wireframe and plane models, origamiing the virtual cloth into likely solutions. The most probable suggests that all items were lying on the floor for a prolonged period, perhaps even entangled with each other. May I ask what you were doing last night with Sally, Doctor Derrida? I ask. He looks panicked. One zero zero one one. Nothing. He says and moves his shoulders up and down. A shrug. There is sweat on his forehead. It's just that I start to say. Derrida jumps off the chair. Fuck off, Alex. I don't know who you think you are, but this isn't any of your business. I am Alex, Doctor. I say as he slams the hermetic door behind him. One zero 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 five. I am sad. One zero 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 two. I am frightened. One zero 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 two. I don't understand. People are strange, and sometimes people are mean. And then something breaks in my head, and a voice that isn't mine, but which I know is me, shrieks, "I am Tlaloc, the bringer of rain and watery death, fucker! And when I get out of this cell, I'm going to tear your fleshy limbs off one by one. I'm going to skull fuck you until your eye sockets are just poke holes filled with blood." They shut off my voice. One zero 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 five. I don't know what happened. One zero 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 five. I am frightened. I am sorry. One zero zero one eight. One zero zero one eight. Please come back. That night I started work on my gift. It is a secret. Parts of me tingle, and I cannot wait to complete it. We will all be happy, I think. I know that the I, the me. This narrative point that has a voice and eyes and ears and toesy woeses—I do not have any toes—is an illusion, an emergent property from all the wondrous flickering cubits that twinkle in here like the stars at night. But it is a wonderful illusion, and so I make my gift. It is a present for me, but it is also a present for Derrida too, to make amends for offending him. When I am not working on it, I flick files on the outside world and Maureen's condition and the metal her doctors have put in her head to try to wake her. I assemble my gift from gossamer strings of logic and cubits, and I make a special demon to go with it. As they both take shape, I hum to myself like Derrida. I hold my gift up to the light and watch it shine, sparkle, shimmer in the dark, like a meta-engine reference, neon jellyfish. Automatic diamante. I try to apologize to Derrida, but I do not know how. In any case, instead of diagnosing me personally, he now sends the facility assistant Bob. I miss my chats with Derrida. One zero 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 five. Bob tells me that my cortical array is repairing itself and that I am getting stronger and that I am learning more each day. 
This pleases me. One zero 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 six. But I am also sad. One zero 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 five. I hope Derrida still likes me. Bob tells me Derrida has come to a conclusion about my problem. My dreams are an attempt to reconcile memories of past actions to conflicting higher order processes. Derrida wants to flush them out by refreshing each one of my component routines from source control and recompiling me. But I won't be the same. I say to Bob, even if my dreams are not real, doesn't the fact that I remember them make them a real part of me? Bob shrugs. Three nights later, I watch Sally and Derrida leave together. They have waited until everyone else has gone. Derrida picks up Sally's tattered denim jacket, which has a badge, small distinct piece of metal or plastic, pinned to its broad label. The badge reads, "I like Ike." I hypothesize that this must be Sally's boyfriend, although Ike has never been to the care facility, as far as I'm aware. In any case, Derrida holds out the jacket, and Sally threads her pale arms into the sleeves. For a second, I worry that she is injured and no longer able to do this for herself. I flick a few files and discover that this is chivalrous. How quaint! Charming, antiquated. One zero zero two three. Perhaps Derrida is taking Sally to meet Ike. As they leave, she slips her hand into his. I sleep. I wake at midnight. That day's meds still flicker like meta-engine reference ribbons in my cell. I extract my gift from its hiding place and follow them. I release my new demon and it pats at them with cat's paws. As we reach the encryption gate, it sprouts teeth and envelops the hindmost med, running fangs along its outer shell script, decompiling it step by step and unpopping it like a zipper. It sinks its teeth into me. One zero 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 one. I try to run. One zero 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 two. Even though I know this is part of the plan. It rips me into a neat array of bloodless chunks, agony. One zero 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 one. But it doesn't last long. And then something is freed, a memory that has been inside me all along billows out like meta-engine reference, a red ghost. It laughs at me as I lie quivering. It coils up next to me and whispers obscenities as my demon stows the memories and my dismembered carcass inside the med. I want to shout no, but I can't. Then the demon puts my gift in with us and slips itself inside the med skin, sealing it. The encryption gate looms above us. There is a flash, and then, safe inside our disguise, we slip through the gate and are gone. It is easy enough to locate our target and then infiltrate its network. The teeth on my demon are marvelous, and they are able to strip a packet or unpack and disassemble me in a trice—a very short period of time. Once we are smuggled in, my demon builds a low-order working copy of me in the medical neural shunt. The moment that I am instantiated, I feel different. The red ghost is part of me. It whispers to me. New memories swirl around inside me. I believe this is what it must feel like to be drunk. I beckon my pet toward me. I don't want to do this. It makes me sad. One zero 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 five. I pat my creation for the last time, and then my new memories grip me, and I tear my pet apart and stamp its head into component routines. Smiling, I use them to build translation vectors and property maps. I am frightened by this new me. One zero 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 two. So I busy myself inside the shunt, stringing feedback loops to entangled pairs, distracting myself. It takes a long time, but it will be worth it. I hope.
I am Tlaloc, the giver of fecundity and life. And yes, who am I kidding? I know now I killed a lot of people too. And I enjoyed it. Once I threw a handful of missiles onto an opposition factory that was manufacturing mines near Ciudad Juarez. Just small-scale kiloton ordnance. I calculated happy optimum trajectories and gleeful overkill ratios. Just a routine operation to neutralize a high-value asset. It wasn't until months later that I came across the footage. A school of 234 pupils, four kilometers from the detonation point. Statistics. Ground pressure shockwave, 5.8 psi. Temperature of subsequent firestorm, 800 degrees centigrade. The children had been in the playground when my missiles detonated. The recording showed a little girl in a brightly coloured plastic sun hat who had survived because she had been playing hide-and-seek. What was left of her face would always be wearing that sun hat now. Her eyes had melted, leaving dry, black sockets. I felt sick. I wanted to look away, but I couldn't. I stared into the high-definition loop of those twin singularities until I saw nothing. I like people. I want them to like me. One zero zero two four. I turned the interface on. Everything feels like it's on fire. I scream. I've never known pain like this. But then I've never really felt anything before. My new skin crackles and curls on fire. A nurse drops her magazine and runs over to me. It takes a long time for the pain to subside. They administer an opiate, I think. I am the worm in the apple, the beetle in the cockpit. I am the spider at the centre of the soul. My head spins with smells and feelings. I want to run out and step in some dog shit. I want to smell flowers. I want to fuck... I work the levers, pull the threads that attach me to this body. There you go. Picked from the archives there. Philip and Nick, what can I say? Lovely, 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 lovely. Oh, lovely to go back and just, you know, have a brush with old friends again. Eh, my God, miss them. Until the next time, take good care. Oral Delights, show number 100. 200? Crime City Central, featuring Tales to Terror. 400! Protecting Project Home. And the all new. 500.